too hot. Yeah. And seas will be warm. We will go ahead and get started with today's Verizon IndyCar Series media announcement. We are pleased to be joined by two very special guests from Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports team co-owner Sam Schmidt and also U.S. Navy Admiral Sandy Winnefeld. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today for this announcement. Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports is today announcing a partnership with the SAFE Project, which is the Stop the Addiction Fatality Edemic Project, which provides resources and information for the prevention of drug addiction. Sam, thank you so much for joining us today. Tell us how this partnership came about and how you became aware of SAFE Project. Thanks, Katie. Um, well, first of all, you know, thanks everybody for coming so early in the morning. I'm sure uh, I got good coffee and donuts here, but uh, haven't found those yet. But, uh, you know, let's face it, there's, uh, this is the, uh, the world's greatest sporting event ever. And so uh, a lot of these, you know, 33 cars will be sporting um, associations with some really good nonprofit organizations. So I want to encourage each and every fan to read about them. Uh, read their mission statements and get behind something. I think that's very, very important, but uh, uh, we're biased <laughs> and that's why we're here today. Um, uh, you know, you can't, you can't listen to the news at night nowadays without hearing of, you know, this massive epidemic in our country right now of, um, of addiction overdose and specifically op op opioids. And uh, Sandy's got a really, you know, personal story that'll tell you, but, uh, um, the statistics are just really, really alarming when you think about it. I mean, it's just, it is the number one uh, killer of Americans in our society today on a daily basis. And, and uh, I'll just let him run through the stats, but it's like, you know, I can't think, uh, you know, of a, of a better organization to back and to have on the car and try to draw awareness to and to give money to and to uh, just try and figure this out because we, we absolutely have to do it. I mean, it's, uh, it's just overwhelming. So... Um, when we were given this opportunity um, really a couple months ago and, and you guys started this, uh, you know, we got behind it wholeheartedly and we're, uh, we're uh, raising money for it and, uh, and doing everything we can. So, you know, I'll let you tell your story. It's, it's moving. Well, good morning, everyone, and, and uh, thank you for being here this morning. Uh, and thank you, Sam, for uh, all the support that you're giving us here in this wonderful uh, venue, the Indianapolis 500. You all are aware that there is an opioid epidemic gripping this nation. Uh, we're losing around 64, 65,000 people a year to this epidemic, which is more than we've lost in combat since the beginning of the Vietnam War to the present day uh, in this country, and we're losing that many people each year. It's the leading cause of death of people under 50 years old in this country, and it's caused life expectancy in our country to drop for two consecutive years. And when you think about a civilized nation like the United States having a drop in life expectancy. Uh, something's terribly wrong when that's happening. Uh, 85,000 kids each year that are put into foster homes because uh, one or more of their parents have uh, become addicted or, or died from over, an overdose. And really sadly, uh, 125 kids each day are being born opioid addicted in our country. $504 billion of economic impact on our country each year from everything from increased health care costs to lost productivity in our industries. Uh, and that's just scratching the surface of the impact of this epidemic. It's, a, it's uh, affecting a lot of families, including our own family. We lost our son, Jonathan, on September 7th of last year to a fentanyl-laced dose of heroin in Denver, Colorado. 
He had been in recovery for 15 months and was doing spectacularly well. He had gotten his emergency medical technician qualification, was very excited about attending Denver University, uh, but this opioid molecule is so insidious and so wicked that uh, he relapsed and uh, had a fatal overdose. <clears throat> At that point, my wife Mary and I decided that after 37 years in the military, we uh, knew how to get things done. We had developed a, a, a network of, of very good uh, and generous friends, and we would feel awful if we didn't stand up ourselves and try to do something about this. Uh, and so we have uh, begun SAFE, Project US, which has stopped the addiction fatality epidemic, as Sam mentioned. And thanks to friends like Sam and Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports, uh, we're making a lot of progress. Uh, we, we have six lines of operation that follow along the six things we think this nation needs to do in order to reverse this epidemic. Everything from public awareness to prevention to getting prescription medicine under control to law enforcement and medical response to treatment and recovery and finally to family outreach and support because if we only knew then what we know now on this journey of discovery that we have been on since we lost Jonathan, we'd still have Jonathan with us. And so we're really, really grateful to have friends like Sam who really get it on this. You all know Sam's story. He has turned a negative into a huge positive in his life. And that's what we're trying to do with our lives and with our effort, is to turn this family tragedy of ours into something positive that will prevent some other family from going through the same tragedy that we've been through. And we want to solve this epidemic at speed. And so what better place to do something at speed than the Indianapolis 500? And it really isn't symbolic for us to be so privileged to have our safe logo riding on board numbers uh, five and six car on the Schmidt-Peterson racing, uh, racing team here at Indy. Uh, we are thrilled about this. This is not something that we would ordinarily pursue because we have so much we're trying to do on the ground uh, about this epidemic. It was uh, Sam and a friend of ours named John Barnes who came up with the idea and approached us uh, to put our logo on the car and uh, we're walking on air, literally, uh, that we have this opportunity to gain the exposure for this epidemic and the potential for people to contribute to resolving it uh, that this opportunity presents to us. Uh, you can, if you're interested in learning more, you can visit our website, which is safeproject.us, and we'll be out there on social media. But once again, I just want to thank uh, Sam and Rick Peterson, of course, the other uh, co-owner of Schmidt-Peterson Motorsports, for their generosity uh, and their wisdom in seeing that this is a crisis that we need to do something about. So thank you, sir, so very much. Uh, delighted to be here with you today. Uh, and we'll be here on Sunday as the, one of the Schmidt-Peterson cars goes out and wins this race. Unbelievably said. I mean, uh, I, I wish I could give you a standing ovation because that, uh, that was moving. Um, I've got a 19-year-old and a 21-year-old, you know, and uh, can't even think what, what this guy and his wife have been through. And, uh, you know, I'm sitting here, you know, 37-year veteran, spent his whole entire lifetime to uh, protect uh, our nation from uh, freedom, you know, protect our freedom, and could easily just be riding off of the sunset, you know, uh, as, a, as on a speaking tour. And uh, he stopped everything, you know, to, to fight this and to not have other families go through what they've gone through. So. Uh, we're doing very little to, to make this happen, so thank well, you. We note that, that we, could, we could have crawled into a little ball of uh, shame, anger, and grief, and we don't begrudge anybody who does that because we find ourselves doing that from time to time, but we just absolutely have to turn this into something that matters. So 
and with your help, thank you. um, we're going to be able to make some progress here. Well, sir, thank you so much for sharing that story with us. This is a, a wonderful partnership that, that I understand the team and, and IndyCar as a whole is very proud to, to have here joining us for the Indy 500 Storylines this year again. If you want to learn more information about Safe Project, you can go to safeproject.us and you'll see the Safe Project branding on the numbers five and six cars of James Hinchcliffe and Robert Wickens at the Indy 500 next Sunday, May 27th. Any questions for Sam? Yes. For Admiral Winfield. Actually, a question for you. Uh, um, I apologize, my language is not the best one. I'm from Germany, Wolfgang Monzer Rentsport Press Agency. Can you give some more information what the epidemic is? Yes, and uh, it's not surprising that somebody from Europe maybe doesn't quite uh, realize that there is such an epidemic in the United States because Europe does not use prescription opioids very much for treating pain. Uh, we in the U.S., uh, by contrast, have had an explosion of uh, prescription use of opioids to, to treat pain. And what actually happened was in the 1980s, uh, there was a letter that came out in the New England Journal of Medicine that was a very short five-sentence letter that mentioned that in very closely controlled hospital conditions, inpatient conditions, uh, that very small uh, use of opioids, whatever, only 1% of the people became addicted. And this was seized upon by some sectors of the pharmaceutical industry, not all, to uh, aggressively market opioids. At the same time in this country, there was a, a, a move where uh, pain became a fifth vital sign, where you know, your temperature, your blood pressure, what have you, all those things was augmented by, well, how are you feeling today on a scale from one to 10? A very unscientific uh, vital sign. Uh, but there, there was a movement where doctors were encouraged to treat pain and that a patient had a right to be pain-free. Uh, we all know that pain is a naturally occurring phenomenon. Uh, you know, we aren't going to be pain-free, but they were encouraged that. Hospitals and physicians and, and dentists even began to become evaluated on how well they treated a patient's pain. At the same time, with some forms of managed care, doctors were given a very short period of time to be with a patient. So you can see this perfect storm occurred where uh, doctors were being told that opioids were safe. They should do everything they can to treat pain. They didn't have much time to spend with patients, so they started aggressively prescribing opioids. And it was at that point that the epidemic took off because, in fact, the opioids are uh, very uh, addictive in many cases. And uh, we now, in the, in the United States, uh, use 95% of the prescription drugs that are um, built, you know, made uh, in the world. Uh, and so we have to get this under control, and that's where our third line of operation comes in, on, in the pharmaceutical piece, where the pharmaceutical industry needs to get this to less aggressively market the opioids. Physicians and dentists need to be much more circumspect in how they prescribe opioids for pain. Uh, consumers need to be very smart and very aware, and they are actually becoming aware that these are very dangerous drugs uh, for pain. Uh, we need to do a better job of turning them in when, when we're done with them, if, if unused supplies. Uh, a whole uh, spectrum just along that one line of operation where we can do a better job in this country. And the problem is, if you have become addicted to a prescription opioid stream and you run out of the ability to have access to that drug, either because your prescription runs out or you can no longer afford to buy it illicitly, you're probably going to turn to an illicit form of opiate, namely heroin, that is increasingly laced with fentanyl imported from China, and that's where uh, so many people are dying of overdoses, including our son. 
So that means maybe you work together with medical organizations or with manufacturers of, of, of pain treatment uh, medicine? There are, there's a lot of effort underway to work with the pharmaceutical companies. Some of them are trying to reverse this on their own. As you may be aware, there's a massive lawsuit coming together in Ohio from communities and states uh, across the country that are suing the, the certain sectors of the pharmaceutical industry and they're consolidating that lawsuit in, Colo uh, in Ohio, I'm sorry. Uh, so that will play its course very similar to the large lawsuit that this country had against big tobacco many years ago that resulted in a large settlement. We're hoping that occurs and that such a large settlement will be used to fight the epidemic, to provide treatment now for people who have become addicted to prescription opioids and other opioids. So yes, there is a lot of effort underway. Most of our effort is on educating doctors and physicians and customers, you know, patients, about the responsible use of opioids in that line. We have a lot of other uh, action on the ground that we're taking, though, to help communities, to uh, help people find treatment, which is one of the biggest challenges that's out there, uh, and a number of other, other things. Too, too numerous yeah, to go I mean, into it's detail. Uh, it's, uh, a lot of people think this is like an inner city problem or, you know, only happens in LA or New York, but I, th I think I read an article where on a like per capita basis, Ohio and Indiana are the worst in the United States for, o for overdoses. Yeah, there, is a, there is an epicenter of this uh, uh, epidemic that runs you know, Indiana, Ohio, West Virginia, Kentucky, Tennessee, you know, down, down through the Appalachians, but it's all over the country. And we visited a, a, a large number of states uh, on, a, on a discovery learning tour, also on a public awareness tour, and we're seeing the good things that people are doing across the country to reverse this epidemic, but we're also seeing where the barriers are and, and these just um, heart-wrenching family tragedies of, of people losing their loved ones. Gentlemen, I think this is a wonderful idea, but are you going to do anything more than put the name on the car, or are you going to have any outreach during race weekend to uh, help people that might stop by and go, you know, I really need to do something? Well, we, we are hoping to have uh, good media exposure on race day and over race weekend. Uh, we are also hoping that we can uh, achieve some donation activity here so that we can um, amplify our efforts across the country and in this region. Um, the key thing, I think, is for people to uh, learn about this epidemic as much as they can. And for that reason, we aren't calling it a just say no campaign, as in N-O. We're calling it a just say no campaign in terms of K-N-O-W. Because the more parents understand about this epidemic, the more individuals understand about the epidemic, the more likely they are to avoid falling into it in the first place, and the more likely they are to be able to effectively deal with it if they have a loved one who has fallen into it. So yes, we are going to push hard on that. And I would just encourage people to visit our website. There are a lot of other uh, resources out there to visit to learn about this epidemic because knowledge truly is power in, in this particular problem. Okay, that's a, that's a great piece of advice. Uh, we'll take that on. Thank you. Thank you, Annie. Um, you talked about knowledge. Uh, what else is there that the average person can do? Is there, you know, can, can we write to the prescription drug companies or to the doctors' associations or elected leaders? Is there something else we can do that, that will push this quicker? Sure, I think there are a number of things you can do. Um, uh, and, and too many to mention, 
but we are we are prohibited from uh, doing political activity as a 501c3. But you can uh, talk to your local officials, your your members of Congress. I can advocate for that. Uh, they are waking up to this. Congress is starting to wake up to us to this. They are appropriating money, not enough yet, uh, but they're getting there to help uh, uh, states basically handle this epidemic. I think it's important to get into your schools to make sure that the schools are taking this head on because there are a lot of schools out there that, that don't want to hear about this because they don't want parents uh, to think there's a drug problem in their school when in fact there probably is at some level a drug problem. I just spoke to a high school yesterday, uh, 250 athletes uh, from a particular high school in Northern Virginia uh, to just to try to describe to them what's going on about this epidemic. We need more activity like that to educate the kids and to educate the parents on, on not turning a blind eye to what's potentially going on in their schools. To that end, we do have a lessons learned uh, area of our website where we have sort of put out what we learned uh, in the course of our tragic uh, journey. We're crowdsourcing that, so we know we don't have a monopoly on all the lessons that are out there, so there's a, uh, the ability on our website to input your own lesson, and we'll digest that and we'll put it back out on the website if, it, if it's uh, an addition. Um, but there are, uh, uh, the other thing that it's really important is uh, there are a lot of things that the federal government can do to reverse this epidemic and should do. There are a lot of things that state governments can do to help reverse this epidemic and should do, and in many cases are doing, including here in Indiana, I believe. But this will really be won at the community level. And for a community to reverse this epidemic requires that all six things that I mentioned be done. If you do five of the six well, we'll fail. And in order for a community to stand up and do this, it requires a consortium of government, law enforcement, education, medical, civic groups, business groups, the treatment community. It takes young people to have their input because they kind of get this. Uh, and uh, a whole host of other people you can imagine, the media included, to come together in individual communities and learn how to take this epidemic on. And that's one of the things that we want to help with in our effort as we mature, is to be able to go out to communities that want to solve this problem and give them a starter kit. We aren't going to be pedantic. We're not going to try to tell people what they should do because communities don't react well to that. What we want to do is offer them a, a, a way to learn about their community and a menu, essentially, from which they can select what other communities are doing well to resolve this problem. And there are a lot of really great best practices out there that communities are doing uh, in order to take this epidemic on. We want to get that word out across the country. Any final questions? Yes, Wolfgang. Sorry again for the language. If I understand it correctly, there's nothing wrong to take pills against pain. It's just taking it uncontrolled. Is this correctly understood? Right, we, we acknowledge that there is a place, a proper place for the use of opioid pain medication. Uh, before it became an epidemic in this country, it was principally only used for terminal cancer patients to relieve their immense pain as they were on their final journey. Uh, but it's exploded into uh, giving people opioids for having their wisdom teeth out. Uh, when I had my wisdom teeth out, I was given Tylenol and told, suck it up, pal, you know, there's gonna be a little pain here. Um, now we're giving kids you know, a 20, 30-day supply of Percocet uh, for a wisdom tooth removal. So we have to get that back under control. Um, and um, the, uh, the, the challenge there is, you know, I've done my own personal survey over the last few months, as you can imagine, and I haven't spoken to anybody 
who has had a medical procedure or an injury and that has been prescribed opioids for the pain that has gotten a verbal warning from his or her doctor. And in fact, many of the people I talk to tell me that their doctors or dentists have insisted that they take the opioid pain medication because they know they're going to get evaluated on how they treat the pain. So we, there's a big sea change that needs to occur in the country regarding uh, use of prescription opioids. They need to be used in certain cases, but they've got to be used more responsibly. And when people are prescribed them, they need to take them very carefully and get rid of them responsibly, uh, the amounts that they don't use. Admiral Winnefeld, thank you so much for sharing your story with okay. us. Our thoughts are with your family. Sam, thank you for bringing this to our attention, and best of luck this month. And thank you all for being here, and thank you again, Sam. Thank you so much. We really appreciate thank it. Thank you for coming in. Absolutely.